0: We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind.
1: It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters, with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams.
2: On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media... We've got you
0: covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off.
2: Welcome back to the ProSports Podcasts. My name is Nee Wallace-Bruce, a.k.a. NWB, and I am joined by Mr. Corbett Aronde, otherwise known as Kobe. Kobe, how you doing? I'm good, buddy. How you doing? I'm great. It's a great day to be great, all right? Damn right. And we, have a great, <laughs> we have a great fighter in our midst today. It's uh, com- coming all the way from Wisconsin. It's El Matador. It's Emmanuel Sanchez from the Bellator. How you doing, Emmanuel?
0: Doing great, brother. How about
1: you guys?
2: We're good. We're just north of the border in Toronto, but we saw you throwing down recently at Bellator. How have things been uh, now that the the fight cycle's over? Are you winding down for the holidays? Are you f- thinking about the next fight? What's, what's next for Emmanuel Sanchez?
1: Yeah, it's a tough battle. It's always one extreme to another. Always consistently training hard and then getting ready for the next bout or wondering when your next bout is going to Sorry, it's my dog. <laughs> He's the, the, he the, the, the Yeah. The yeah. Dog wants, <laughs> no, Are we talking fight. about fighting and he gets hyped up? There we go. <laughs> but I'm just looking more forward to, yeah, enjoying the holidays. I'm obviously, I've just been in the gym since. So, I'm always working on my craft and working on becoming a better, not just martial artist, but uh athlete. So, always working on getting bigger, stronger, faster, et cetera. And I want to be the best in the world. So, I'm just consistently grinding.
2: Right. And I, I'm into that. Tell us, what are some of the things that you do in the gym? Obviously, for your purposes, but also for, I guess, staying fit in general.
1: I'm pretty old school kind of like how my coach runs it. So uh, obviously uh, always incorporating weightlifting and other strength and conditioning stuff, whatever. But I never get tired of hitting the heavy bag. There's so many different uh, exercises and drills that we can do and think why are the best boxers in the world the best? It's cause they're always doing so many different drills on the heavy bag and so many different heavy bags that there are on what they're trying to work on. and master their uppercut, their hook, their jab, their cross, et cetera. So uh, I incorporate a lot of back work, ground and pound. And for us, since it's MMA, we don't just think punches. Uh, we got knees, we got kicks, we got elbows. So there's always so many different things that i trying to master and work on.
2: There you
0: go. There you go. Yeah. Emmanuel, uh, you fight at featherweight, the 145 division,
1: but what's your walk-around weight? Uh, yeah, I think... Uh, we're going to make some definite changes coming up soon, but I don't want to, but naturally it just happens. Uh, I get about 170 pounds or more. Okay, <laughs> So I'm not a small guy by any means. <laughs>
0: now you're talking about working the heavy bag. When I'm looking at the the development of your striking, uh, I actually like to compare your first fight with Daniel Veitchel and your second fight. With Daniel Weichel. and by your second fight, I'd say your striking was far superior than it was.
1: Is there anyone specifically that you worked with during that time? No, not really. I got the same guys uh, that have been up and coming with me since since that time. Having such a world renowned gym, there's so many different guys that I've had the the pleasure to spar with over the years. so another fellow Canadian Sam Stout. Yeah, been able to work with Sam Stout throughout this time. John McDessie. Okay. I'm trying to think of some other guys that come up have come up from up north uh, that worked their way down, but just other great uh, top UFC fighters that I've watched over the years and now had the uh, the pleasure and honor to train with as well too. It's only growing my game leaps and bounds after all these years. And I still have yet to show my true potential. I-, I always rewatch other fights of mine or I just remember them like they were yesterday. And I'm always thinking in my head, I could have done this better. I should have done this. Uh, like the lead up to the fights as well too. How I could train better. Not i to say better, but uh, what I could do in training to ultimately get the result that I want.
0: Emmanuel, 2021 was not the greatest for you. First time ever you've had back-to-back losses, finished on a loss. Where is your mindset now going into 2022?
1: Making the changes, the necessary changes that I know uh, get my climb up. Yeah, it's rough, but I got to say I'm blessed and I'm grateful that I still have the opportunity and ability to do what I love to do. My fight last year got canceled and I only got to fight once last year. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know if I was ever going to fight again, honestly, because, uh, just the world was in chaos and crazy, man. And then Bellator did have the opportunity to put fights back on, but there were still restrictions with the countries. So. I'm glad uh, Daniel Vichel was an Australian because who knows if he would ever have been able to make it back over here or, or from New Zealand. That's right. Because hearing how other countries got their, uh, I don't want to say just border patrol, but just laws, I guess, or how they're dealing with their, their COVID issue. It's obviously way different than the United States or any other fighters from the United States. But we, we got it done and it got to go on. And now life goes on, and I'm going to be bigger and better because of what's happened over 2021. Right on, buddy.
0: Right on.
2: Yeah, man. I mean, I guess 2020 was rough, having that that big gap and not knowing what's around the corner. But end of the day, you've been able to stay in the game for a long time as a fighter. You've you've outlasted many. I guess what's the secret to your durability, if you have any? What's what are some of the ways you keep yourself able to stay in the game
1: for so long? I have to say, hard work, dedication, passion, desire, discipline. I mean, there's nothing really else that I want out of life. I guess I'd say other than just uh, spread nothing but peace and love in the Kuna Matata. Because I mean, this is temporary. So I know one day I'm not going to have this. But I guess the reason why I'm putting all my energy, all my time, and sacrificing so much to be a world champion and to go down as one of the best to ever do it is because for exactly that. I know I'm not going to be able to do this forever. And I know yeah. once I'm done, I'm done. It's like, you're not going to get younger. Yeah. So if I'm going to do it, do it right and go all the way. Go big or go home, right? The old yeah, school yeah, okay. saying. And my warrior fighting spirit man and just the mexican heart in me i just i can't stop and i'm gonna go until the wheels fall off as long as i can go and then when i know my time is up i at least want to say i accomplished what i set out to accomplish be one of the, the greatest to ever do it and be a world champion
2: no doubt about it and not just that but that you have no regrets that you didn't leave anything behind you left it all out there on the in the octagon absolutely now I got to ask quickly. You're based in Milwaukee, so does that make you a Bucks fan or a fan of the Packers?
1: <laughs> um, well, growing up in the Midwest, uh, I guess there's all these other teams, yeah, that I could have supported, loved, etc. But I'm a Bulls fan till I die. So oh, Jordan, you know Jordan, the Chicago Bulls. Growing up, watching the Bulls and just loving the Bulls and. So as a kid, going to the United Center, and even when I was of age, going with my buddies, take the train or take a bus or drive ourselves down to United Center and catching the catching Bulls games. I mean, congratulations to the Bucks! Now I'm a Milwaukee resident now, so of course, got yeah, to represent for the Bucks. Yeah, an amazing team now doing their thing, but um, I mean, I ain't gonna ride the bandwagon or say, you know, oh yeah, now all of a sudden I'm a Bucks fan. one <laughs> <It's like, laughs> championship, right? But. I will take my motivation and uh inspiration out of that of course, especially as where I live here now. Uh I used to be a White Sox fan. I mean I guess I could say I still am, but I don't really watch baseball or other sports, so it's hard for me to even say that I go for a certain team or don't go for a certain team, whatever. But I mean I live in Wisconsin so I gotta say go pack go, right? And and if right. the Brewers win a World Series then all right and uh Yes, they go brewer. I live 10 minutes
2: away <laughs> from there, so. Nice. Nice, nice. Yeah, the brewers will come good. Yellow should be. I feel like the lockout might might help them a little bit if, if they start late, but we'll see.
1: time will tell, right? <laughs> That's right.
0: Now, earlier you hinted that you might be making a move from featherweight. Does that mean you're going up to lightweight?
1: I believe uh, it's time. Yeah? Originally, uh, my goal obviously was to uh, win the title first. And then there was the grand prix and obviously I wanted to do that. And then uh, I knew I wasn't going to be a featherweight forever. I'm going on 32 years old coming in 2022. Yeah, And so I feel like it's a sign it's just taking a toll on me because I'm not hating, but I know these guys aren't better than me, but (sighs) myself needing to, uh, Uh, work this hard just to keep my weight down, it's taken a toll. And we train to fight. You don't train to make weight, and you're either good or you're not. So I know I'm a lot better than the performances that I put on this year and how it's gone for me. And uh, I've just had to learn and grow. And literally, I have. I'm a late bloomer. So, I mean, I started out as a lightweight. Uh, My only loss outside of these recent losses at, well, at featherweight. It was actually at welterweight. Oh, okay. Yeah, I fought at 170. That's my first loss. Definitely didn't have a problem with that guy. I know I could have beat that guy too. And obviously you can look him up. He hasn't done anything since. So obviously I know times have changed. And every guy in every weight class is huge, I guess, give or take, depending on what you see, on who you get, whatever. But the biggest guy isn't always the best guy. So that that don't matter. I mean, a lot of people could probably say, oh, why not drop a weight class? But my coach is one of the best coaches in the world. Yeah. I believe the best. And he knows. And he's fought at many different weight classes as well, too, and fought with other fighters as well, too, and coached other fighters to world championships. And he knows when it's not going well, and there's a reason why. You can see. I mean, look at Cody Garbrandt. I, I love him. I'm a fan. I've trained with him before, and he's, uh, I think he's a badass, but. Him dropping down to flyweight, I think he thought perhaps that his power would transfer over to knocking out flyweights easier, and it showed it didn't. Yeah, it killed him. Aldo at 35, he's a monster, I don't know, he's a freak, still unable to do it, but have you noticed that Aldo hasn't dropped anybody or low-kicked as much and stopped guys? That's right. Yeah, so it uh, it takes a toll, man. (laughs) Like, it definitely takes a toll. And look at, well, from what we've seen from guys who go up. I mean, look at this past weekend. Dustin Poirier and Charles Oliveira, two guys who fought at 145 before. And look how amazing they've looked throughout their run now. I don't think it's the end for Dustin as well by any means either. Uh, Anything can happen. I mean, Justin Gaethje could go out and beat Charles Oliveira, and Poirier has a win over Justin Gaethje, so we could see another one. Uh, going with that, that's right. There's so many different, uh, obviously, things that could happen over the years. So I, I definitely believe Dustin Poirier has the ability and opportunity. We'll, we'll get the opportunity to uh, get that strap over him as well, too. So because he's a great fighter, as well as all these other guys that are up there too. So given whatever weight class division, you see when guys uh, strive their best. I mean, uh, like Nate Diaz at 170.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Now, you had mentioned a couple of weights within that conversation. Next year, it's a Bantamweight Grand Prix for
1: Bellator. Uh, have you trained with Rafian Stots at all or no? So I've been on since the beginning with Rafian. I believe he came to Rufus Sport when he, when, as soon as he finished college wrestling, actually, he, uh, and wanted to get into MMA. He knew Jens Pulver, so him and Jens Pulver are tight. Uh, I believe it was through wrestling and then wanting to get an MMA. And he, uh, I think Jen's told him about Rufus Sport or he found about Rufus Sport himself, but he comes to Rufus Sport. I believe he was looking for a place to train and I ain't knocking our team, but he was pretty much handling everybody in practice. But little did he know it was amateur practice. It wasn't the (laughs) professional. We have two different practices. So he was handling everybody in the amateur practice and he probably thought, that this is not the place for him if he can beat up everybody on the map. (laughs) And our coach at the time, our jiu-jitsu coach at the time, had to put it on him. Not bad, but show him that, like, oh, okay, like, don't worry. Like, this is not all who you're going to have. And after he gave him a smoke, right, and he let him know, like, hey, man, this is the, just so you know, this is the amateur practice, the pros practice earlier in the day, so we <laughs> will get better work earlier in the day, but I just, I, I had to give you some smoke just to let you know, like, you you ain't gonna do this to everybody, you know what I'm saying, just so easily. He started as a white belt, not only in the striking system, but in jiu-jitsu and worked all the way his, uh, his way up to being to where he's at now.
0: He looked fantastic in his last fight, I, just phenomenal in his last fight. What What do you think his chances are in this Grand Prix?
1: Oh, yeah, I think uh, what I'm hoping for, and this is going to sound crazy. Go ahead. I mean, every, everyone's uh, asked, so I don't feel like I'm pulling any punches on what I'm saying or you know, watching my words, whatever. But obviously, Sergio being the champion and them being teammates, and even though he, he moved, he, he moved because he wanted to be close to the family. All his aunts, uncles, grandma, grandpa, everybody, they're down in Texas. Yeah. And his wife's family as well, too, in Texas. So given COVID, business, obviously, they hate the cold up here, too, in the Midwest cold. It sucks. And I'm going to be joining suit, too. So when my time comes closer to retirement as well, too, I'm, I'm done with this cold. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I'm done. I've lived too many winters, man. My bones can't take it anymore. <laughs> Damn right. Uh, I, I need sunshine and rainbows all the time. <laughs> so I, I need to be close to a beach, and I need sun even in January, <laughs> which I know they'll do as well, too. Put Rafi on one side of the bracket and Sergio on the other side. And if it comes down to it in the final, there you go. One of the be- uh, the greatest advice I ever got from another fighter was if you're going to fight a teammate or someone who's close to you that you train with, it better be for a world title and a lot of money. So them meeting in the final, there you go. You get the best of both worlds.
0: Yeah, 100%. And and that's, it's, to me, it's quite likely, to be honest. It's very likely. Very. I do think he possesses the skill set to get there. So 100%.
1: Uh, I mean, looking at the other guys that were in there, they're all great, but... Just given the experience and who they fought, oh man, I gotta say, we could very well see yes, Sergio and Rafian in the final because they both hold lots of oh, how, how do I say just uh, just levels, man. I guess just levels over most of these guys, all well, all the other guys that are in there, uh, Archuleta, uh, Patchy Mix, Gallagher, uh, Leandro Higo. All those guys are great, but. Even without a Grand Prix, I could see, and I know Sergeant Roth would beat all those guys. They, they, they would clean it out. Let's just
0: say that. <laughs> okay. And is there anyone at Rufus Sport that we might not know about who's up and coming?
1: Oh, yeah. Quite a few young kids, man. We got uh, Brian Bautista, a very close teammate of mine. So I know you asked uh, earlier who's been helping me a lot. Yeah. That he's one of them. And since he was an amateur, he's been helping me. Wait, what's his weight class? He started as Bantamweight, but he'll be moving on up to uh, Featherweight now. Okay. And uh, he's in the works right now to get signed with PFL. So like a PFL uh, developmental deal. Nice. And uh, yeah, all of his fights have been on big promotions as well, too. So that's why it's been hard. He'd have more fights. But I, I told him just the nature of the business, and I know how it goes, that not a lot of people are going to want to fight him. You look him up. And he's fought in Bellator, he's fought in Combates, he's fought in LFA, he's fought in CFFC, uh, all of his fights have been on a a big platform, and you get these other guys, I'm not knocking them, but they start a little even smaller on the regional scene, maybe local, and a big fight for them would be LFA or CFFC and like, all right, this is the next step to get to the UFC because it's on fight pass and they see that they potentially could get matched up with someone uh, not only that who trains at a world-class Academy. Correct. Now, you got social media, you look up his social media, and then he's always in the practice room with Paul Felter, Anthony Pettis, Sergio <laughs> Pettis, right. myself, and all these other top fighters, <laughs> then you're going to be like, oh, shit. Like, I'm not going in there. <laughs> yeah, they, they, most more, than, and it has. A lot of guys have turned him down. Likewise, with another teammate of mine, Christian Rodriguez, who just uh, fought a contender series, undefeated kid, obviously, could have got. Uh, the opportunity to get signed, but uh, didn't. But he's still working his way on up to, to get there. But uh, I believe six and zero now. Yeah. Only one fight has gone the distance. On that, other five five finishes, and he's another who's helped me since his amateur days. And uh, we'll be seeing him very soon as well too in the UFC. A lot of other younger amateurs right now too. Got quite a list uh, of young cats right now uh, working their way on up. To, to want to get themselves to that level as well, too. Do you have belts
0: in any particular disciplines?
1: Oh, uh, I got first-degree black belt in jiu-jitsu. Okay. I have uh, first-degree black belt under Duke Rufus in his striking system, so in karate, kickboxing. Yeah. And I would take up or want to get a belt in judo or so many other disciplines, but it's so hard because I would have to go to another school, I guess, or another dojo, and have to work with so many other people. So thankfully we kind of just have like our own, obviously Sambo mixed martial arts trekking system here. And, uh, I'm always working on things to get better at my craft. So obviously Muay Thai clinching, uh, wrestling, grappling, and this is a wrestling country. So the Midwest itself, we have nothing big, but big high wrestling. level wrestlers yeah. yeah, from everywhere, Minnesota, Iowa, um, uh, oh, damn state. This next one starts that, Michigan. Um, uh, I'd say Ohio, we got some book guys coming through, Illinois, uh, and obviously here in Wisconsin, all throughout the state, there's always uh, great high-level guys are here to uh, NCAA, uh, Division 1, Division 2, II, Division 3 champs, so the list goes on and on and on, so I, I, I lack nothing here. I'm always learning and getting better from all these different guys that I'm able to work with. And what got you started at MMA? George St. Pierre. Oh, right on yeah so one of my favorite my favorite fighters canadian so (laughs) just from watching mixed martial arts when it first started to get kind of uh mainstream uh, like on spike tv so free on spike and the ultimate fighter and the ufc countdowns and everything that started to come up i just i don't know flipped on the channels and one day it just happened to be on i'm like whoa this is pretty intense and I had seen MMA when there was there was no holds bars, so no weight classes, no rules, no anything. And I'm like, "Damn, dude, that's pretty wild." That, that's that crazy. Miraculous. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> but then catching it at that time when there was rules and weight classes and everything else, I'm like, "Damn, this is pretty dope." And I didn't wrestle in high school. I wrestled in junior high, but not in high school. And seeing George St. Pierre and those earlier fights of his and him talking about how He just had the desire to want to be a world champion and never wrestled, but picked up wrestling and picked up all the other arts as well, too, even though he just started with karate. Yeah. But picked everything else up along the way. In my mind, I thought, well, damn, if he could do it, then okay, I could do it. Even if just just because you didn't wrestle doesn't mean you can't do MMA obviously it helps it's from a competitive side if you've done that before which i did but not at a high level compared to most guys who go to the olympics or college level wrestling yeah right Uh, i'm glad for it i always used to kick myself in the ass for it thinking i should have wrestled should have wrestled should have wrestled but then i look back and i'm I'm like no man i'm glad i didn't because i know i would have been like not all of them but some meathead wrestlers who they're so stubborn and. They're almost so prideful for their own good that they're so hell-bent that they wrestle, they wrestle, they wrestle, that they don't want to get better at jiu-jitsu or striking or anything else. They're just so convinced that their wrestling is enough to beat anybody at just that. And obviously, it goes to show over the years as well too that the game has changed. You got to be good at everything now. That's you can't right. just be good in one area, even if it's just striking because if that were the case, my own coach who's a kickboxing world champion and Muay Thai champion like will tell you that not every champion in MMA is this amazing striking guy or that comes from glory or one or whatever have you like kind of just straight striking. Yeah. You got to be good in every area and every champion has shown that. That they can obviously defend a takedown, get takedowns themselves, go for submissions, not get submitted, and also strike. More than anything, strike. So, striking is obviously uh, all fights start on the feet. So, there you go. Got to be able to throw down. So, so, hold on. So, when you decided
0: you wanted to pursue mixed martial arts, you weren't studying any martial art at the time?
1: Uh, yeah, I guess it was just kind of freestyle. I was like, I'm going to get good at everything really i'm gonna yeah i i I was like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna punch i would watch fights and i would be like all right damn they can do that to you they can do some crazy spinning kick that comes from taekwondo or karate or some other striking art or capoeira i'm like all right damn not only do i want to learn how to do that to get people with that but also to not have it happen to you correct knowing that they can do that to you, I'm like, wow, they're going to try to do a rolling leg lock. They're going to try to do this crazy kind of takedown or this crazy punch, whatever it may be. I'm going to do everything in my power to learn that, to get really good at that. And also, so that never happens to me. And I'm so glad that I, I guess, started that way. And that's what I saw from George. And that's what I saw from Mighty Mouse and from a lot of other great fighters as well too, that didn't start from a single discipline, say like a Damian Maya, a BJ Penn, Matt Hughes, Matt Hughes, right? Yeah, absolutely. Who you get guys that started in just striking or just wrestling or just jujitsu or something that they had a strong, solid foundation and then they had to pick up everything else along the way and add that to their game. That's right. Sometimes you've seen guys be able to work like make it work for them in their favor and for their game. And guys, like I said, too stubborn for their own good, never wanted to pick anything up and get better and want to knock guys out. I I feel like Mighty Mouse is a perfect example of this, and George as well too, Anderson, that being so good everywhere that they they wanted to win and dominate no matter what, no matter where it was. So if we're clinching, I'm going to beat you in the clinch. If we're wrestling i'm gonna beat you in the wrestling department if we're on the ground i'm gonna be on top whooping your ass getting the choke yeah. doing whatever it takes to do that if i'm on bottom i'm gonna be fighting off my back throwing elbows off my back like anderson miguel torres right hunting for submissions or scrambling to get back up everything everywhere and that's how <laughs> my coach duke rufus instills in us too uh, the reason the us military has the best military is that we're not just good right in the air force we're good in the water we're good on land we're good in outer space we're everywhere so uh all the branches of the military right we want to dominate so he sees that in mma
0: okay in every
1: area go out there and dominate we don't necessarily have days where like oh wow it's just wrestling day it's just jujitsu day it's just boxing day it's just this day we're always working our whole mma game so every day even if it is like oh, okay the focus is boxing it's boxing for mma if the focus is taekwondo because we're doing some spinning kicks or some other axe kicks some other more traditional style kicks we still want to be thinking mma we don't want to get taken down that easy we don't want yeah, to yeah. leave ourselves open for leg kicks
0: yeah, yeah. i think i think that's something that actually gets missed a lot is that there is sort of a a blend of a particular style, but then adapting that style specifically to mixed martial arts. It, it isn't just the same when it comes down to it. You can be a kickboxer, but kickboxing for MMA is a little bit different. You can be a wrestler, but wrestling for MMA is a little bit different. So that's something that I think the average fan doesn't really see that often. No, 100%. And you make it sound this way, I gotta be certain. Did you start with Rufus
1: Sport? I did not, actually. I uh, started on my own. I... um. I stumbled upon a karate dojo okay, and there was a gentleman who just knew people, I guess, in the MMA world and had the opportunity to get fights. And it was kind of just like a group of guys eventually who would just come in and say, hey, we want to fight MMA too. And so we basically just freestyled MMA training. And so I think the biggest thing that I gained from that was uh, just be scrappy. I guess that it's a fight. I, I'm not concerned with how good their wrestling is or jujitsu is or striking is. I'm just gonna go out and whoop that ass <laughs> like uh at the end of the day, that's that's what it is. I think too many times and it, it's just because the sport has grown so much, so it it, it happens. People get so hyped up with all the pre fight, I guess, stats when two fighters male or female in any weight class gets announced or the lead up to it in the pay-per-view whatever the trash talk the the humbleness whatever it may be yeah and fans and commentators and other MMA media websites whatever i feel they'll interview the fighter and they have their picks and they have their opinions and that goes for any fan who buys the pay-per-view or anyone who's just wherever, whatever bar they go out to and watch it. Every, everyone's got their own opinion. Of course. And everyone's got their own idea of what they think is going to happen. The, uh, oh, on paper, this guy's a better wrestler. Oh, well, on paper, this guy has more knockouts. Oh, well, have you seen this person's last fight? Have you seen that person's fight five years ago? Whatever. Right? And, and I think a perfect one is like this one recently with Charles and Dustin. You yeah. just didn't know what you were going to get. So when I when I watched it, and I was with my friends, and they, they they watch MMA, but they're not, I guess, hardcore MMA fans unless they're watching me, because they support me, which you know, I love them for. So it's not like they're not like football. I'm watching both these guys walk out. Anyone watching can make their assumption, like or their bets. Oh man, Charles going to take this by submission, or Dust is going to take this by knockout. Someone's going to get finished in the first round. Something, whatever, right? I I not only as a fan. But as a spectator, I, I'm watching it, and uh, and I get, I'm got, i up there having close to just the same amount of fights as these guys do. Probably been a pro just as long, uh, maybe two years short, more or less, whatever. But I, I'm i feeling like, all right, what if that were me in that position or whatever, right? Thinking of all those different things coming through my mind. But I'm watching them, knowing I'm just like, hey, man, these are just two guys, and they're going to leave it all on the line. I know that 100%. That no matter what happens, they're still happy and healthy, and, and they get what they deserve for everything that they've endured over these years. Yeah, right. How how we've seen Charles been down, Dustin been down, all the things that have happened. But look at them now. I'm like, man, hell yeah! I hope these guys be making bank for what uh, all the years that they've put in, all the time that they put in to uh, put on such an amazing fight between the two of them. My my biggest thing was I was like, all right. It's not going the distance. Someone's, some, and uh, my guess too was in within three rounds. And look at that. Boom. And I ain't <laughs> no Mystic Matador, man. I, 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 horrible Fight predictions. So no one can ask me anything ever about that because I'm always wrong too. So all I knew was that it wasn't going the distance and I predicted it was going to be finished within three rounds. And it was. So boom. I, I can do that, I guess.
0: Yeah. It's, it's my job on the pro sports podcasters to, <laughs> to pick the fights, actually. And yeah. I, I'm gl- I'm oh, nice. proud of myself. I picked Oliveira to win by submission. I picked it a week nice. before, <laughs> before the fight, right? Good call. I just felt that in that particular case, especially after the Chandler fight, after seeing the shot that he took from Chandler, I, I feel like Chandler maybe hits a little harder than Poirier. Mm-hmm. And I figure if he can take a solid shot from Chandler and survive it, he can probably take a solid shot from Poirier and survive it. And I just felt like his submission game was too strong for Poirier to handle. So that's, that's why I picked him. But I, I felt pretty good about it when he won because most people picked it the other way. So I, I yep. felt pretty good about it. But like you said, it's, they're going to leave it all. It's, it's a title fight. <laughs> right? right, so absolutely anything can happen, and Poirier's made bank. Okay, he's already made his money. I think Oliveira starts to make his money now. Yeah, to be honest, I think that win is the win that that really earns him the next big paycheck.
1: Yeah. All
0: right, so I was kind of happy for him that way because I want to see them all. Get, I want to see all you guys get paid when it comes right down to it.
1: Yeah, appreciate that, man. Yeah, it's just it's ultimately it's true, right? And I feel the same way, even on the on the undercard of any of these promotions that uh, the sacrifice that it takes to make this dream come true, get that one shot. You might got to quit that job that you went to school for or quit that job that paid your bills, whether you went to school or not. uh, Some people, everything that you got to do, if you, I I mean, I'm, I'm blessed. Like I said, my, I live right across the street from the gym. That's awesome. So yeah, I, I don't, like imagine uh, when I speak to most other fighters or met other friends, whatever, they gotta go to like four or five different places to train. I'm like, what? And here at Rufus Sport, we got everything under one roof. So I got solid basketball solid jitsu, solid striking, solid everything. I got everything that I need. All I have is all that I need, and I'm I'm blessed for that abundantly.
0: Yeah, it's that's awesome, man. Having that across the street, like we've talked to guys yeah. that gotta travel an hour just to get to the main gym. Period. Man. Right. Yeah. I
1: don't, yeah. I I get it, but no one ever hears about that, right? No one ever hears about the sacrifice and what it really takes to to make this dream come true. And a lot goes into it, so I don't judge, criticize, hate whatever on any fighter when I see them do whatever it takes to get their hand raised and to get those paydays that it is they're they're searching for. And I believe not just for the paydays, right, but in my mind, from what I saw too, going back to like Saint Pierre, yeah, he he never, and any of these other guys too on the come up, none of them ever talked about oh wow I want to be a millionaire I want to be the the richest fighter ever they just talked about wanting to be a world champion correct yes Machida Silva Penn Aldo uh, Saint Pierre huh, the Frankie Edgar uh, all these other ones that Cain Velasquez uh, all these guys that I in my era. From being a teenager at least right so i started when i was 18 going all the way up throughout the all these years since i made my pro debut to all the way to where i'm at now yeah every every fighter the best uh, you know all those names that i mentioned right what do they all have in common world champion Correct. defended their title and obviously had their big paydays did their thing and here's the thing too whether they get to the conor mcgregor money or brock lesnar money whatever however you want to call it right ronda Rousey money whatever whoever on the biggest names who have got the biggest pay-per-views whatever uh it's what you do with it that's ultimately i believe like what any professional athlete should be doing
0: yeah i think i think part of that is like you said it's a, a little bit of a different mindset now in the generation you're talking about which to me really is the golden generation It's like. It was a lot of tough competitors all looking to be number one and money was second. I think mm-hmm. now you've got a new breed of fighter where money's first and success is second. Yep. And you talk about having to, you know, sacrifice to, to make a living and, and to earn that paycheck and what you go through, but there's also a, almost a new school of fighter that, that doesn't really want to sacrifice. And these are the guys who are consistently missing weight. What do you think about that happening right now?
1: Yeah, well, it's happened to me before. I think again, guys probably wanting to be the bigger guy in the weight class. And then again, other than heavyweight, I don't really think uh, the biggest guy isn't always the best guy. And we've, we've, we've seen that in every weight class, yes. even for females. We've seen that in every, any, any way you're either good or you're not. And, I mean, look at Mighty Mouse, even as a bantamweight, never got stopped. And he's somebody I'm sure he could fight at 45 or 55. Oh, yeah. Even without, uh, with giving up size, just his his skill. On 100% his skill. I mean, look at BJ Penn fighting at heavyweight, man. <laughs> <Like> when he fought Liotta Machida, I, I, who knows how his training camp went. And obviously you see his physique or whatever. Maybe, I, I feel he could have won that fight right i mean and look uh what he did to matt hughes his first fight with st pierre so even him at 70 not cutting weight that's right his skill level man so it's it's really it's everyone should see especially when you look at those old school fights that the ones i speak of uh Penn especially looking back in the day that it's your skill level It really is
0: your hard work, dedication, and your skill level. I think Frankie Edgar is a great example of that, too. Perfect
1: example of that, too. I mean, I look at Frankie, and I'm like, damn. That guy, yeah, maybe in that time, in 2010, when he won the belt, right? That's when he could have done bantamweight, but he didn't, and well did his thing and look lightweight champion and how many times he fought for the featherweight title yep. and i think him going down now too isn't a good thing i think he could have stayed up but now guys are getting bigger and that's right uh, the, pool, the 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 level of talent everything uh when i get it his age as well too which of course like every fighter says i mean look at him still going aging like fine wine and Asian is just a number so really just your skill level before i get you
0: out of here first off i am a fan by the way well appreciate it man thank you I love your fights man they're never boring i'll say that much any social medias you want to shout out that our fans can
1: follow you on check me out at matador sanchez on instagram and my facebook emmanuel el matador sanchez
0: right on buddy awesome talking to you and i actually think it's kind of cool that you're going to lightweight to be honest Oh, thank you. That's cool, man. Like I kind of I kind of wonder now who Bellator would want to match you up with because you've never fought at lightweight in Bellator, right? No. If I was going to match you up, I mean, at featherweight, I think you and Carvalho right now would have been an awesome fight. Same. At lightweight, I think you and Henderson make sense.
1: Oh, nice. And my coach is talking about that too. <laughs> I think
0: that'd be a cool matchup, man. I think stylistically, that'd be an awesome fight yeah yeah both got amazing gas tanks and love to throw down so. yeah neither you want to give an inch you're both good standing and on the mat i think that'd be an awesome fight man and that'd be a very kind of a good sort of uh like setting the level of where you're at as far as in lightweight
1: goes yeah that would be a big test which i'd appreciate i mean yeah look the former uh lightweight champ someone who fought for the bellator welterweight title <laughs> uh and who fought for the lightweight title twice i mean ben henderson's a legend yeah uh even, and even the
0: gyms, right? You got Rufus Sport versus MMA Lab. Like, I think the whole thing makes sense. It'd just be, like, that's that's a co-main event kind of matchup. That'd be awesome, man. Oh, man, thank you. I appreciate that. If you have any questions for the Pro Sports Podcasters, be sure to reach us on our Twitter account, where you can also...
2: Slide into our DMs. And catch the latest snippets, dirt, and other exclusive
0: things that we will tweet. Check us out at P podcasters on Twitter.